We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Another episode of Budding Heads on Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. Back with me is Johnny Gomez. Johnny, how you been, brother? Can't complain, man. Super busy. Other than that, I am golden. Still waiting for Rams football, man. Hey, we got a little taste so far. I mean, we haven't seen any actual Rams players pretty much yet, but we got a little taste so far. It's been okay. We got some preseason football. It's better than nothing. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Well, as always, you can find Rams Talk Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, and on IE Beat Radio. Our show airs there there, Wednesdays, Saturdays, Sundays, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central, uh, Mountain Time. You can figure it out. Sorry, guys. (laughs) 11. Does, Does Mountain Time have Daylight Savings? Or is that just Arizona that doesn't? Uh, that is a good question. I am not sure. <laughs> Mountain Time Zone listeners, you could tweet us that because I'm not sure and I've never lived out there. 
Anyways, uh, at iebeatradio.com, you can find our show there Wednesday, Saturday, Sundays, 10 a.m. Pacific time. The rest of us would figure it out. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about Rob Havenstein's extension and what that means for the cap going forward, the offensive line and everything. We're going to talk about the Rams' preseason games, what we've liked so far, what we haven't liked, what we're expecting moving forward. Will we ever see the starters? And then later on, I'm going to give you my fantasy five of some fantasy thoughts and news from around the league. But before we get going, let's give a shout out to one of our sponsors. And that is Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You know, since we're all addicted to pretty much anything Los Angeles Rams here, why wouldn't you want to learn a little bit more about the history of the team with a personal touch? This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the eyes of John Hawk, whose dad, Jim, played offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of a father, a son, and a team that played in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Les Richter, Tom Fierce, and just a story that spans through the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find the book at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywood's Team. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and a paperback is apparently on the way. You can also find Hollywood's Team through various other booksellers on the internet. This is a great book, guys. It's a book you're going to want to read if you want to get some history into the team, and it's definitely worth every penny for any Rams talk fan out there. So if you want to get the story of a father and the legacy he left behind through his son's eyes, grab Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood Scene, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It's definitely worth your time. All right, so Rob Havenstein and me and Johnny had a little debate here on how to pronounce his name before the show. I believe Havenstein is right. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. I I would genuinely like to know that. Rob Havenstein signed a four-year $32 million extension with $16 million guaranteed. So overall, it's going to be about $8 million per year. Not too much guaranteed money there. This was kind of out of the blue, not a guy that we thought an extension would be pressing for. But, Johnny, I want to get your first thoughts on this. It seems that the front office really likes what they see in this team. It, what's not to like coming off an incredible season that they did last season. So in regards to do I like the deal or not, I don't mind it. It's just, I don't know. There just didn't, there seemed more pressing needs at the moment, but I'm not totally against this because, you know, we've seen, we know what we have in, in, uh, Havenstein or yeah, I'm still, I'm still not sure on pronunciation by the way. Uh, yeah. So make sure you let Steve know on how to pronounce his name because I'm not sure if I'm saying it right myself. So, they know who we're talking um, about. you know, who we're talking about, man, it's the guy on the right side, the tackle, you know, the man. So in <laughs> back to the subject, as far as as far as his extension is concerned, I don't necessarily have an issue with it because although he may not be the best right tackle in the league, I would say he's a very solid one, someone that can only get better. You know, he's not exactly a veteran or anything. Well, I guess he is kind of a veteran, but he's not like a, you know, in his prime yet. Right. We haven't seen it yet. So considering that this guy can only get better, I'm I'm not against this signing at all. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with it. I, I think it's a fine signing. He's becomes the third highest paid right tackle in the league, which, well, he's probably not the third best right tackle in the league. He's still a very good right tackle. And we know from firsthand what, having a bad offensive line means and how detrimental it can be for the team. 
Rob Havenstein is a pretty good right tackle. He's a very, very solid starter. He might make a few Pro Bowls in his career, maybe. But if he doesn't, I mean, he's already good. And when you have an established player there, and we talked about this in the last podcast, when you're a team that's contending, and because the window is so small in the NFL, you you want to stick with what you got. And Rob Havenstein is a very, very solid player. He's young. He started every game he's been around with for the Rams that he's been healthy for. And when you can just solidify that spot on the offensive line for four more years, you should do it. And the Rams, as as much as we've been going over and over the cap, they have money to play with over the next couple of years. And if the cap continues to rise a bit, they'll be okay in terms of their spending. Now, obviously, um, an unnamed player is likely going to get a huge extension soon that might make things a little bit more tricky we already have money invested into brandon cooks and todd Gurley all the way through 2023 a lot of money for those two so i mean it's it might affect things later on long term but because of the reported lack of a ton of guaranteed money only about half of the contract is apparently guaranteed if he's not living up to his contract, which I can't really imagine, or if he's just, you know, they need to make a cut because they have to pay Goff, they paid Donald, they paid everybody, and they just can't afford the guy. I, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think I think this contract is fine, and like I've been saying, because the window in this league is so small, you want to keep your team together if they're contending for a Super Bowl for as long as you possibly can, and this is a move towards doing that. Now, in the short term, and I guess a little bit in the long term too, obviously we got him locked up for another four years. Now, we drafted Joseph Noteboom, a tackle in the offseason who has played a little bit of guard. He's played a little bit out of his position in the preseason. I believe that it might be the team signaling to get him ready to start at right guard in terms and replacing Jamone Brown. But long term, I'm curious what you think, Johnny. Do you think that this will affect Noteboom and if they try to develop him fully as a guard because they have Havenstein Havenstein locked up? Man, we're going to be doing this all day. Um, do you think that they, you know, Whitworth, he, they can save a lot of money cutting him early before before June 1st next season but I have a feeling that they won't cut him I have a feeling they're gonna keep him around but long term do you think that this will affect maybe the development of Noteboom or what the team does with Whitworth moving forward well absolutely because this signing pretty much indicates that Havenstein is going to be moving to or is going to be staying at right tackle because in reality, he really can't play any other position on the offensive line uh, that I'd be comfortable with anyway. And moving note boom to left tackle, I think, would be kind of a mistake. Uh, so really, your only option left would be to try and develop him as a guard, which is kind of something that was an option when drafting the guy. So as far as Noteboom goes, yeah, I would definitely look for him to being a guard full time. And we've seen him a little bit playing a little bit of guard. So I would definitely see this guy becoming our our guard. Maybe not necessarily to replace Brown at some point. I, I'm wondering about Saffold, to be honest. 
I think what kind of brings us to Saffold is his kind of injury-prone problem. And on top of that, the contract, while it's not a huge concern because there are bigger contracts on this team, if we can kind of subsidize his contract a little bit by moving Note Boom there if he's ready, this could be an option for the Rams is to kind of move Note Boom there and maybe kind of do deal away uh, uh, Saffold either in a trade or possibly just cut him outright. Brown is another option also, too. We still don't know quite if he's going to be that permanent fixture in the offensive line, but it's a possibility, I suppose, um, evidence being with this recent extension. Yeah, and both, interesting enough, both Brown and Nopum are expiring contracts this year, and they're going to be undrafted free agents next year so i wouldn't expect any movement from either of them this season i think if note boom starts week one at right guard and really impresses he might just fully take the role from jamon brown but i really do expect brown to wind up being the starter for the rest of the year but i think it does open up something for even if note boom does well and doesn't and doesn't end up taking over the job that's two openings on the offensive line that uh, might be available to him. And now with Jamon Brown, you know, I don't think he'll expect a very big contract at all. I, I could see him coming back uh, on, a, on a nice team-friendly deal. Saffold, he shouldn't have even really been here for this contract to begin with, if, you, if anyone remembers what happened in 2014 with his whole situation that he had going on there with the Raiders, and he almost went there, and then stuff fell through, and... He wound up back back with us, and so he's he's thirty. He is not a guy that you know. He's he's played for a long time. It wouldn't be shocking if he cut up and left L.A. for for money. But if the money's not out there, I mean, maybe he doesn't want to move. And I don't think it would be a bad move for the Rams to to take him back because he's a good player. Brown's okay. I think Saffold is better than Brown. I'd rather keep him around. But again, age matters. Now with Note Boom too, I think they should try and concentrate on him at guard because I think keeping Whitworth around for next season would be ideal and obviously Havenstein's going to be here now the the reason I'm thinking this is because even if they try to play him at guard next year it doesn't work then maybe he goes back to tackle I know, I know you don't like him at left tackle I mean maybe that works I don't know maybe, maybe he ends up being Whitworth's replacement but I mean even if he gets moved to guard and it doesn't work or he never even pans out as a tackle let's say he does because of how they're trying to develop him at different positions maybe he never reaches his full potential that's not the end of the world because he was only a third round pick and while many teams strike gold in the third round the Rams done it many times it's not like we drafted this tackle number two overall and spent years trying to develop him, and all we got were penalties and disappointment. I mean, Note Boom is not that kind of investment that we may or may not have gone through in the past with a different tackle. But I, I'm glad we kept Havenstein around, and I'm interested to see how this affects Note Boom moving forward. And I agree with you that I would like to see him at guard. Now, Cough, Jason Smith. <laughs> I, wow, I was referring to Greg Robinson. I forgot there were two of them. Oh. How did they mess well, it up twice? At the same uh, position, at the same freaking pick, they messed it up twice. Let's and, not get into Alex Barron either. Oh my God. And there, you know what? There's an alternate reality where we end up with Jake Long, too, who was much, <laughs> no disrespect, was much, much better than those guys. 
those scrubs that we just named. But he still ultimately, for being the number one pick, could have been better. And he was also a former Ram. We somehow ended up with him, too. Oh, Alex Barrett, man. God, we had some dark years. Uh, anyways, let's let's talk about this in terms of the grander scheme of the cap. Now, obviously, it's $8 million we're going to put in. And look, I'm just going to say this. And if Johnny, if you disagree, feel free to butt heads with me here. This has, as bad as it looks from an outside perspective on the Rams giving another player an extension before Aaron Donald. This move, and we as Rams fans should know this, will not affect that signing at all this is money that we have next year and long term they wouldn't make this deal if they thought it would affect the Aaron Donald situation they still have plenty of cap space next year this move will only take up 8 million without Donald they still have 50 million in space if they give him even if they give him the 24 million dollars that was reported by downtown Rams and to be honest I'm Grow more and more weary about that report by the day. Even if he gets that $24 million, they still have $26 million in cap space, and that's without seeing the increase that the cap will get this next year. Now, is is that a lot of cap space by any means? It's more than, let's say, even the Rams really had this year. They, that's not a bad amount of space to play with, and this move really is not going to affect Aaron Donald. And the pieces for contention are basically all on the roster right now. But they're Havenstein's contract, well, I don't think it'll affect Donald because I think we're factoring in Donald that everything might affect some other guys. Now, do you think that this move maybe spelled the writing on the wall for a guy like LaMarcus Joyner or, you know, even like just kind of spells not coming back for an Adamkin Sue or anything like that? How do you think this will affect other players? not Donald withstanding moving forward. Well, as far as Donald is concerned, for anyone that doesn't think we're going to re-sign him, I I mean, I I don't know what you're thinking. Yes, he is a top priority. This isn't exactly a simple signing, though. This this is going to be a record-breaking contract, without a doubt. We're talking about one of the best defensive tackles that the NFL has ever seen, not just in the NFL today but has ever seen. So yes, this is a delicate contract and this isn't going to be like, Oh, you want this amount? Let's sign it. No, this is, this is something that many teams are keeping an eye on. Even the Raiders are keeping an eye on as well, because Khalil Mack is going to certainly be looking at this contract as well. That being said, uh, as far as what it'll do for the rest of the guys, I do think they're going to be guys um, that, are looking into free agency this upcoming season that may not get that opportunity. And Joyner is someone that has crossed my mind before. Not that the Rams don't like him and not that I don't personally like him because for me, I think he's a very underrated player, but it's just going to be one of those things where the Rams are going to have to weigh the pros and cons on, on keeping players and how it might be easier to replace one as opposed to another. The The reality is this. The Rams have a lot of talent on this team. And like many other great teams that we've seen, it's not always possible to keep every single one of them. As much as you'd love to, it's just not possible, especially because each year contracts are rising and rising and rising. 
it's just it's not it's not doable guys you know um if if it's not donald it's gonna be somebody else it's gonna be well why didn't we keep this guy why didn't we resign this guy it's it's a delicate situation and thank god for many of us we're not gms because (laughs) they're i mean i i i look back at like some of the conversations being held on twitter forums you name it and i'm like you would be a terrible gm why are you even bringing this up i even read uh, somewhere i don't remember where it was but someone was like you know, Sean Mannion is struggling. Yes, I realize we're going to get to that. Uh, Sean Mannion's <laughs> struggling. Oh, we will. <laughs> Why not bring in Colin Kaepernick? Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh, okay, I realize that it's always good to have a backup quarterback, someone that's reliable. That's not Kaepernick. It, it, it hasn't been since he's been to the Super Bowl, which – wasn't really necessarily his him taking him there. So look, can we drop the Kaepernick talk along with with uh, this? Why is this player getting signed and not Donald? Just stop, stop already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'll just say this: I I would much prefer having Kaepernick as our backup over Sean Manny right now. But yeah, it's never gonna oh. happen. It's not. It's not really even worth having the conversation because like it's that will never happen. It's not going to happen right now. But yeah, like the the Rams have money for a Donald. These moves are not affecting Donald. Todd Gurley's extension doesn't even kick until twenty twenty, and everyone's like, "Ooh, well, how does this affect Aaron Donald's, you know, whatever standing with the Rams?" It doesn't. It doesn't affect his standing at all. There, it does not affect his standing one bit, guys. If they're gonna extend him, they're gonna extend him. If they aren't going to, which I doubt. He's, he'll probably be traded soon. Now, if from all accounts, it seems like the Rams are offering him a lot of money, and he wants quarterback money. And there's still a chance that he gets slightly below quarterback money. I, it's it's very in the wrong possibility. Hell, he might even get the quarterback money, depending on if the Rams pony up. But we, we kind of hashed this out on the last show, Johnny. I know you weren't here. I was with uh, Blaine. But it's you have to over – even if you got to overpay him a little bit, you have to – because there's so many long-term implications that have to go with drawing fans in a new city while you're good. It's why many of us that are my age are Rams fans, because they were good when I was 7. And they sure as hell weren't good when I was 13, and that's when I really started watching the team. So you got, you're establishing fans in a city that you're new. You know, you've been there before, and I know a lot of our bases, the old-school L.A. fans, and we appreciate you guys a ton, and I'm sure – the Rams do, but you got to pay the guys now and contend while you're in this window because the Super Bowl will do wonders for a franchise. Hell, even getting there will do wonders and having an exciting team that'll draw fans in at whether they're the fair weather fans around the city that are going to gravitate to you instead of the Chargers or whether they're young kids that are looking for a new team, whether it be in LA or in Arkansas, and they see the Rams are good, they're going to be lifers if by the time they're getting real conscious as a sports fan if they're still a Rams fan, they're probably going to stick with you. Now, I do want to get back to LaMarcus Joyner because he seems like the guy that has the most writing on the wall here. I think the franchise tag was kind of an indication of that. And I think because should we expect him to play as well this year as he did last year, the offers are going to be coming in. And depending on the Rams cap space, depending on what they do with 
guys like Sue and depending on how much money Donald gets, there might just not be room for the Rams to give Joyner the money he deserves. Now, I still think there is a chance he draws the franchise tag again, but that would be like $14, $15 million. Now, we saw it with Tremaine Johnson, who got more than that. He was the highest-paid corner in the league by the end of his time here, and then we let him walk, and he got a nice payday this summer. But I I really can't imagine Joyner being here next season unless it's on the franchise tag just because of how much money they're giving to other players. But that being said, I didn't expect all these contracts either. So I, would you expect? Would you think it's even possible that he gets a long-term deal or even the franchise tag? It would depend on how badly Joyner wants a Super Bowl ring. If he's one of those guys that is willing to take a pay cut, or not necessarily a pay cut, but maybe not as much of a contract that he's possibly you know, owed then I can expect to see him in a Ram uniform and possibly on a mid to long-term contract. But in terms of him being signed to a long-term contract and it not being about the money, I'd say that's pretty close to none happening. But overall, I do think it's a possibility that the Rams uh, do a franchise tag on him, especially if he has an amazing year again this season but we'll see I I think this season how he plays will be an implication on whether or not he's even offered a contract or not you know and and as we've seen with uh, several of our safeties in the past Rodney McLeod was one that comes to mind you you don't necessarily yeah you don't necessarily need to to have the most amazing season ever to be a Ram safety and be offered a big time contract. McLeod did have an amazing season, but man, I thought he was overpaid. He was, and Joyner probably will be too. And if there's anything I have confidence in Les Snead in, it's finding replacements in the secondary because we've had so much turnover in the secondary since Snead took over and for all accounts, they've been good. He's found guys like Joyner, he's found guys like John Johnson. He's gotten guys like Trumaine, TJ McDonald, Rodney McLeod, Janoris Jenkins. I mean, the list goes on and on. Now we have, you know, the, the blue chippers with Peter and Tlaib, who are obviously different caliber players than those guys. But I I have no doubts that he would find a replacement for Joyner. And while Pickup might be in the cards, I don't think he should, nor nor do I think he will, um, because he is a young younger guy. He hasn't gotten his payday yet. He got, he got the franchise tag, obviously, which is hefty, but... Your football career is short, and when you're getting your contract, you want to get a nice chunk of change. I could see a guy like Saffold taking a pay cut because he's pushing 30. He's gotten his second contract, but I I can't really see that happening with Joyner. Now, we'll get into back to our friend Sean Mannion and the Rams preseason. But before we do that, let's give a shout-out to our original sponsor at the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like the old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis. He kept the lights on the entire time there in St. Louis, and luckily for him, they came home, and now he could serve the L.A. Rams community and the fans that are there for where the team is. 
He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. That's 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that we sent you. You can get a discount on an already affordable haircut. And he knows he's getting a knowledgeable Rams fan in there to really shoot the Rams stuff with. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sundays, he's probably watching the Rams. He's not open. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to shop is worth it just for all the great Rams memorabilia and nostalgia you'll get from seeing that, but also to talk football with Sal and to talk about the Rams, of course. Trust me, guys, this is an experience you're not going to want to regret. Seeing the Rams play two preseason games now, and we'll try and keep things different because obviously this has been talked about in a lot of the podcasts from our network, uh, especially the Sean Mannion debate. Uh, the Rams look great in week two in the preseason. They didn't look good in week one. We still haven't really seen any players that'll be real impact players play yet. Maybe some of the rookies like John Franklin Myers step in, but Johnny and Norm have been maybe the two biggest Sean Mannion stands in the entire Rams, uh, fan pool or analysts or whatever you say. And I listened to, Derek and Norm's podcast this week where uh, Norm refused to believe that there are any better options that the Rams could reasonably obtain right now than Sean Mannion at backup quarterback and that he will be a fine backup to which Derek staunchly disagreed and to which I also staunchly disagree. But Johnny, you weren't on our show last week where we had a Sean Mannion debate, so I'm going to give you the floor here to give us your thoughts on Sean Mannion and the backup quarterback situation. It's real easy to look at the first preseason game against the Baltimore Ravens and just say, well, Sean Mannion flat out sucked. Well, because, well, he did. You know, he had an awful performance. And a lot of that was a testament to the offense that he was running. And on top of that, it was going up against a lot of the starters that was going on the defensive side of the ball for the Ravens. While it wasn't all of them, it was still a good chunk of them. That whole preseason game was kind of bizarre to me because I don't know many teams that started nearly as many starters as I saw uh, with the Ravens that week. But I digress. So do I think that Sean Mannion is a viable backup? Yes, I do. I still think he is. And he kind of proved that this week wasn't the best performance out there. You know, he he did struggle from time to time. But I will say I still I still think there's a lot of potential in Mannion. There's a lot of untapped potential that I don't even think he you know starting to believe in himself. But I kind of side with Norm on this because I agree with him. There aren't many viable options out there without actually, you know, trying to trade for one. And is it really that big of a decision that we absolutely need to trade to get a viable backup I don't know but I still believe in Sean Mannion I do think he still has a lot to learn but overall I'm still comfortable with Sean Mannion as our backup if we were really concerned about being their competition at number two and number three I would I would see more quarterback competition we only really seen one other quarterback participate which was disappointing in my eyes. But obviously, backup quarterback isn't that big of, of a concern to Sean McVay, which means he's pretty happy with, with you know, his number two guy. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? 
Oh, God, I couldn't disagree more. Um, but <laughs> I do agree with you that it is really disappointing that we haven't seen Perez, especially given how bad Mannion looked in week one and how I would say bad Allen looked in week two, that he didn't even get a shot, which is kind of a bummer because I do think there might be something there. I mean, odds are he's you know, he's a backup at best, more than likely. But I, I want to ask you this question because I, I did our observations for this game. If you take away the, and I'll give him credit, the the very nice pass he had to Kadero Hodge for 47 yards during that game. It was a nice pass, a better catch. If you take that pass away, I want you to guess how many yards per completion Sean Mannion averaged on his nine throws. Oh, I, I could definitely tell you because that one that one play was, I think, what, like 60-something yards, right? 40, 47. Oh, 47 yards. Okay. So, yeah, I, I'd imagine it'd be something to the extent of, like, 5.7 yards per catch. No, something. it was 4. It was 4.1 yards per pass. Like, I... I'm sorry, I don't want to watch the Rams play horizontal football anymore. We watched it every time our quarterbacks got hurt. We watched Kellen Clemens do it. We watched A.J. Feely do it. We watched Case Keenum do it. Oh, <laughs> we we watched <laughs> Sean Hill do it. Uh, the only, You know what? The only vertical backups we had was Nick Foles. And I will take Nick Foles, 2015 Nick Foles, any – day of the week over Sean Mannion because he at least had moments where you were like, God damn, this guy can ball. You know, we might have something here. Austin Davis gave us his little flashes. Hell, Kellen Clemens gave us it like one time. I mean, it was like once. He was terrible too, but when I, when I watch Sean Mannion, it's just like, there is just, I, I don't see any untapped potential there. All I see is just like third string quarterback. I see Ryan Lindley there. Uh, that, that's what oh, I wow. see when I see Sean Manning trying to the field. I see Ryan Lindley coming out during that playoff game in Arizona. That's that's how I – that's what I would expect Sean Manning to perform if, God forbid, knock on wood here, we ever have to see him play in a game. Now, he might be our best option, and that sucks. I, I'm not with you guys that he's capable. That sucks that he's our best option. But he might be. And, I, <laughs> like, oh, man, I – I can't believe how in on this you and Norm are. Is, is he related to you guys? <laughs> the disdain on your voice. That sucks. He's our best option. That sucks. But I mean, no, what? I mean, no, I, I'm not related to the guy. I wish I was. Maybe you can help me out with some rent money. As far as Mannion is concerned, you mentioned that pass. And while I will, I will give it to you that Hodge, just made a flat out great play it was still on the money that's the point this guy can pass and I think one of the things about Mannion is he has lost confidence a little bit but if he gains his confidence back I know this guy can be better maybe not starter caliber but at least a solid backup and I think that glimmer that one pass that we saw to Hodge it was on the money it's just it was well defended as well, which is why Hodge had to kind of adjust himself a little bit and make that spectacular catch. Well, so let, let me yeah, I do this. believe. In um, that. I you know I unless we could trade like a six round pick for like 
an RT3 or a I, I oh no <laughs> no, Look, no I'm, I'm, I mean I would just rather have the guy there that I know there's so at least we know it's in him somewhere that he could produce like that and but let me ask you this if God forbid Jerry Goff suffered an injury was out for the year and the Jets called and said we'll give you Teddy Bridgewater for a second round pick would you take that deal because I would take that in a heartbeat you said a second round pick second round yeah Teddy no no you would if if you'd a second round pick for Teddy Bridgewater are you kidding me this is if if we know we don't have Goff this year I would offer him as high as a fourth round pick and I would be sick to my stomach to offer a fourth round pick, but that's because we're really desperate. Now, and do I think Teddy Bridgewater? You'd be sick to your stomach trading a fourth round pick for him if we needed a quarterback. Yes, I do not think. Think of the value there. Think of the value. You found extremely top talents with the second round overall pick, and then you're going to offer it for Teddy Bridgewater. I'm... This, this is a <laughs> this is a rental at best. This isn't even like. I would be like, man, there goes Teddy Bridgewater out there. No, oh man, I let's know, see, let's see how much you got to pay for that rental. This is our window is now, and if Goff isn't out there and Sean Manning is, uh, our window is boarded shut because it is not opening back up with that man at our quarterback. I'm sorry, and no disrespect to Manning, he he's made a lot of money. He's clearly a good football player, but in the terms of being an NFL caliber quarterback, I. We've had, what is this, year four? We've seen nothing anytime he's tried on the field. We, I've seen, he, we've seen one good pass in in four years, I, I'm thinking. Oh. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't go as far as one good pass. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, since preseason doesn't necessarily count, the first year in Los Angeles, he showed a lot during preseason. If we're going to go based off preseason, I mean... We can't go based off of the last week of the season last year because, I mean, let's face it, no one was going to succeed in Week 17 against the 49ers when it was basically your scrub players playing. Sean Mannon, he looked so good in that preseason that the Rams extended Nick Foles, then traded him for free, and then drafted a quarterback and then played Case Keenan for eight games because they were so impressed with Sean Mannion's 2015 preseason performance that they refused to ever give him a chance. I just think if they thought something was there, they would have given him at least a semblance of a nibble of a chance because the team was bad in 2015. They're bad again in 2016. And obviously 2016 was different circumstances, but he, he didn't even come close to winning the job from Case Keenum. He didn't even get a sniff during 2015 when we were terrible and we were trying out Nick Foles and Case Keenum every game. I mean, I just... I think backup quarterback is something that the Rams have ignored forever, and it's cost us for the past decade because we've played a lot of bad. I mean, hell, we played Kyle Bowler for like seven games one year. They just they've never learned their lesson on getting like a vet that's capable back there because there are guys like that on the market, and they 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 never even you know hesitate to even think about getting somebody like that, and that. That's something that I think history is the science of what never happens twice. But for the Rams, history is uh, we're going to repeat our mistakes every single year in certain aspects. And backup quarterback is one of them. Receiver was one of them until recently. It's just they never learn, man. And 
we'll see. Hopefully, we never have to actually see this argument come into fruition. I think we can both agree on that. But I, I'm frightened at the thought, and I think that our our title hopes go away quickly. In which is crazy because Jared Goff might not even be one of our five best players. No, I, I wouldn't put him as our top five for sure. Yeah, and the Eagles, best arguably their best player went down last year, and they still won a Super Bowl because they had a guy who, as inconsistent, as shaky as he is, he had it in him, and we'd seen it in flashes with the Rams that you know, there's a 20% chance he goes out there and he wins you a game by himself. And I just don't see that with Mannion, but I, I think we hashed that out enough. Um, I Johnny, I don't know. Is there anyone else that you've been impressed with in the preseason if you want to give him a pat on the back or somebody that you haven't been impressed with? I don't know. Any Just any general impressions you've had. You know, I kind of pointed this out uh, earlier uh, when we drafted him, and I have to say I've been really liking what I've seen with John Franklin Myers. It still needs to fine-tune a few things, but overall, I, I have to say I, I'm really impressed with what I've seen. It's exactly kind of the player that I was hoping for. And I think under Wade Phillips, he's only going to get better. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I, when I when I was seeing, you know, Franklin Myers get in the mix, I've been really impressed. Yeah, he looked good and really is one of the only players out there that, had, that has like real rotation potential along with the, the linebackers. He's looked good and he's been very promising. And I'm, I've been really happy with what we got out of Franklin Myers. I think that was a nice pick. And I think hopefully he will contribute to the rotation. Hopefully he won't have to do it too much because Donald will be back there week one. But if not, it's not the end of the world throwing him out there with Easley. Uh, a guy that's impressed me was, as we mentioned, Kaderil Hodge. Uh, he made that beautiful catch. He had two catches in that game, and they were both insane catches. They were probably the two highlights of the game. He had that one near the sideline from uh, the great third-string quarterback, Brandon Allen. Um, and he caught a touchdown from Allen week one. Now, with Hodge, I wanted to ask you because the Rams receivers are kind of set. I think it's obviously locks to make the team would be Cup, Woods, Cooper as, as a specialist, and Cooks. Josh Reynolds is basically a 99% chance to make the team. I'd be stunned if he got cut. Um, Mike Thomas is probably going to be the sixth guy. But, I mean, do you think there's – if Hodge makes more highlight plays for the next weeks and continues to look good and Thomas uh, continues to look like Mike Thomas, do you, do you think that there is any chance that Hodge takes that spot? Or do you think there's a chance they keep seven guys? I'd like to sign Hodge right now to replace Thomas. The fact that Thomas is still on this team still amazes me. <laughs> It just I don't I don't get it. You know, every year he's always that bubble guy that I'm like, oh, yeah, Thomas is gone this year and he still manages to stay. And I don't understand it. You know, I I don't know. Like for me, I I think he does have potential a little bit. But seeing seeing Hodge out there, you know, I don't know if this guy will ever amount to anything. On the NFL level anyway, but I think he has a lot more potential at this point than Thomas. And really, would it be that big of a difference if we replaced Hodge with Thomas? It's a lot to say, you know, based on two preseason games, but I'm just not confident in Mike Thomas at all. What are your thoughts? No, I agree. I'd much rather keep Hodge. Uh, like like you said, you know, Tom, 
Thomas is kind of the Sean Manning of receivers. He just hasn't done anything to wow me. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like if he keeps the job, if he's on the roster, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Like he, you know, for a six receiver, I, mean, I guess he's fine. Um, I, you know, even if something happens to Cup, Woods, or Cooks, the, he's not going to be the guy stepping in. It's going to be Josh Reynolds, more than likely, who he did. He was all right last year when he stepped in. I, I didn't really understand the preseason Reynolds hype, but I mean, he's if he has to step in, so be it. I, I don't think it, but if it ever had, it comes to a spot where Mike Thomas or whoever's in his role will have to step in, I'd much rather see Hodge because th- those catches he made were not easy, and you you can't sign a guy just strictly based off of hard catches. But that that matters, even if you're going against you know, lesser caliber players. I think that matters, and I think when you see a guy that passes the eye test like that. I, I would rather keep him on the team. And another guy I wanted to ask you who's passed the eye test in flying colors is John Kelly, who we talked about last week too. I mean, do you, I want to see Kelly as the backup this year. I think if Gurley's off the field, I'd like to see Kelly in there over Malcolm Brown. And no disrespect to Malcolm Brown, a guy who's definitely going to be on the roster. But I like how have you felt about Kelly? Actually, Kelly has surprised me a lot. I, I know you were really high on him when we drafted him. But, yeah, I, I mean, I would like to see Kelly fight for the opportunity to be the number two guy. I don't, I don't know if I'd crown him the number two guy just yet because it's not as though Malcolm Brown, you know, struggled last year. He actually did a, you know, decent job. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would say he was the best backup running back out there. But, you know, I do like Kelly a lot. I do think he has potential to be better than Malcolm Brown. Maybe he might become even a starter somewhere else at some point. Because it's sure as heck not going to happen in Los Angeles, not with Gurley there. But, you know, it, it wouldn't hurt to, to see if he could be that number two guy, even if it happens later on in the season, maybe not uh, right away. But I, I'm kind of with you, man. I, I would love to see this guy as the number two guy at some point. Brown is fine. Again, I completely agree with what you said about Brown. He's a fine backup. I I thought Benny Cunningham was a lot better, but I think Brown, for being a three-down running back's backup, he he does his job. But Kelly, you know, the way he's looked, and if he looks like this in the season, it could turn into a little bit of a, you know, LT Michael Turner situation that we had back with the Chargers back in the day where you had a backup who was – clearly a good player clearly had a lot of promise and you know could potentially do some damage but the starter was so good that he he was never really going to get a fair shake until he left and I Kelly has shown those flashes he he looks so natural running the ball in the NFL and it obviously will be different against real defenses but he just really really passes the eye test and he's done it two games now he had a little bit of a flub last week but overall he looked great and yeah, I Malcolm Brown is fine, and if they don't think Kelly's ready to perform at that level, I, I think he's really a lock to make the team. I think it's fine if he's the third stringer and they get Brown to work. But I think if Gurley's coming off the field, I'd rather I'd be more excited if Kelly comes on, just because you know, Brown is fine, but Kelly he does things to excite. I think defenses at least have to respect him. Whereas with Brown, you kind of know what you're going to get. He's just he's your everyday backup, and that's a that's a valuable thing to have in the NFL. But Kelly looks good, and he's a guy I'd really be excited if they gave him a couple touches every week here and there when Gurley needs a spell. Now, 
speaking of Gurley, we have not seen the starters at all this preseason. If we see them, I don't think it'll be much. Do Do you even want to see them? Like, I, I don't care. I don't care if we see them once, to be completely honest. I've always been kind of in favor of the method of, you know, basically just letting just letting kind of like the second and third string guys battle it out for a spot because that's really what the preseason is all about. You know, we already know what we're going to get, you know, from the Todd Gurley's and the Aaron Donald's of the world if we can get them signed. But at the same time, there is a lot to be said about these guys getting some in-game action. You know, they're, they're human as much as they don't seem like it. They they do need to get some, you know, real uh, on-the-field practice. You know, they the real practices don't really translate what you see on game day. So I'm in favor of what, you know, Sean, Sean McVay has been trying to do, basically resting the guys for the games that don't necessarily matter. But at the same time, I do think for the fourth and final game, they should at least see a quarter. And then after that, you know, goes to the backups. I think that's exactly how it should go out. I would be okay if, Sean McVay decided not to start any of the starters again because, you know, really what, what, what is, what is it going to hurt if these guys sit for one more game, especially because even if they do put in like a Jared Goff, it only be for a series. If you put it any longer, you're kind of risking, you know, an injury for nothing. I wouldn't mind seeing them maybe a quarter. Me, I'd I like to see him for like a series or two. I like I would like to see Goff get a little work in there, real time with Cooks, and just get back into the groove. I'd like to see Sue get a little settled in his new role. Um, then the defensive guys, but I think more than a quarter, I think is too much. I don't think it's needed. I don't want to see Todd Gurley at all. That's the only guy I just I don't want to see him play in the preseason. I don't think he needs it. I don't want to risk that. That's really the only guy I I don't want to see at all. But yeah, I'm with you. It would be nice to see them get a little bit of work, even if it's for a series or two. And I don't think Goff needs a ton. Obviously, they're getting real time work in practice, but we'll see. I I trust McVay fully with this decision. So we're gonna get to the fantasy five here, but before we do, let's hear a word from another one of our sponsors. It's still summertime in Southern California, guys. It's still hot, and it still means it's a good time to visit the pool. If you don't have a pool. If your pool needs work, if you need to remodel, if you need to resurface, you got to check out Jayhawk's Pool Plastering and Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling serves the Orange County in the Southland. It's run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk. He built this business on the mantra of fantastic results and, of course, amazing customer service and good pools. Just head on over to jayhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality finishes and the testimonies provided by past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, just give Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling a call at 714-695-0700. Again, that's 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. Guys, this is a great opportunity to support the podcast, to support the Ramley, and support your local area. If you live out there, give Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling a call. You'll be glad you did. And also, guys, the season's right around the corner. Our ratings are going to go up. Our views are going to go up. So if you want to come in and sponsor, you should do that now. Give us a call. Give us a – not a call. Reach out, email, text, message on Twitter, on Facebook. 
Hell, even comment on the iTunes reviews that you want to sponsor if you do. Hit us up. We have a media kit ready to go, and getting in now will save you some money. Okay, so, Johnny, last week I introduced a new closing segment I'm going to do here called the Fantasy Five, which will be five fantasy football quick hits. Uh, if you want to chime in after each each number with some, whether it's real-world feedback or how you'd feel about them from a fantasy standpoint, feel free. This week we're going to start with Josh Gordon back with the Browns after he left camp right before the preseason started to take care of himself. Obviously, he's been dealing with issues. Um, I, I know a lot of people say, he you know, just, you don't have to smoke weed. That's what's getting you trouble. I think because of how how much shit he's been dealing with, it's clearly more than that. And I'm glad that he went to get himself right. But that being said, even if he plays week one, I would tread lightly on drafting Josh Gordon. His average draft position is currently 45. That's in most leagues. It's going to be in the fourth round. I There's a lot of mouths to feed in Cleveland. They, have, they got Landry. They have a slew of running backs that are good that they're probably going to rely on. Njoku's there. He might get a lot of red zone work. Des Bryant might be coming in. Even if Gordon is 80% of his best version, there might just not be the work. There's not going to be the work for him to replicate what he did at his peak. And when you're drafting him that high, that is what you're kind of going for. And I, I just don't think he's worth a look that early. But that being said, if he falls, I'd be happy to grab him and take a risk. As far as Josh Gordon is concerned, there's always that risk of him actually, you know, playing in the league. I I do think Gordon could be a guy worth taking if he's falling to the you know last few rounds depending on how deep your league is if it's like a uh 12 to 14 you know owner league then maybe I would I would take a risk with him at at one of my last picks but to draft him really high I think you'd be making a horrible mistake especially because like you said there is talent in Cleveland on the offensive side of the football. So for me, I would stay away from him unless it's like a lower pick and your your league's pretty deep. Yeah, and that's the problem. He's never going to be there that deep because somebody is likely going to take a chance at him. I don't think you need to be the guy to do it. I'm, I'm a real believer in Gordon, to be honest, in terms of actual on-the-field production. I just There's a lot of good players in Cleveland now out of nowhere, and I— I don't think for how high he's going because of all the obstacles he would have to overcome to become what he was in 2013. It's just it's not going to happen this year and I think if he in a 12 team 14 league if you like your lineup and he's there in the 7th, which he he won't be, but that I would happily take him in like the 7th. Above that, you got to really talk yourself into him. I'm not ready to do it. Number two, Adrian Peterson signed with the Redskins. (laughs) Obviously, Darius Geis is out. So this is just for me. This is just a red flag on Rob Kelly, on Samaje P. Ryan, and on Adrian Peterson. If you want to take a shot on AP in maybe the last round, why not? If I I picked him up in a 14-team league as a free agent. Because I had P. Ryan, and I figured he was going to get the work over him. But I'm staying away from all these guys. The only guy I like there is Chris Thompson, who I think will be a PPR machine, especially with Geisau. He's the only guy I could really rely on there. Uh, Johnny, we watched AP a couple times last year. Do you have any faith he becomes uh, even a semblance of his old self? No, not at all. No. This guy, he, I mean, 
this guy was one of the best running backs in the league. And by all means, I think he might be a candidate for the Hall of Fame. Not even might. I think he will be. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But for him to be a, to be someone you target in fantasy football in modern day, no, I, I would avoid him. I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't want to draft any of these three running backs unless they are in the lower rounds. Uh, just because you don't really know what you're going to get out of any of them, really. Because uh, it, it appears that the Redskins are going running back by committee. And that never translates well to fantasy owners. So if you're going to draft them later on, I don't see why not, especially in the deeper leagues. But otherwise, it, it's best to kind of avoid all of them, I think. Yeah, I like Thompson in PPR because he, I think he's going to get a lot of catches. I don't see Kelly, Pirine, or Peterson taking any of the passing work. And they're going to take a lot of the running work. So Thompson... Thompson's kind of like a James White, Duke Johnson kind of guy. I think he'll get a lot more work than both of those guys, and I like him where he's being drafted. Uh, AP is a first ballot Hall of Famer if they don't factor in the off the field stuff. And as we've learned with the Hall of Fame committee, the only thing that matters off the field is if you were a loud mouth and didn't like journalists, and not if you were suspected in murder trials or anything like that. I'm just going to leave that there. I'm not going to go any deeper on that. Uh, I will air oh, out that not. grievance on another day. Uh, <laughs> that, my God, uh, that's another topic. Number three, the Bucks running back coach in regards to Ronald Jones, their rookie running back, stated today that there's probably a reason they only threw him 17 passes in college. Not exactly a rigging endorsement for your own player. <laughs> so that is just the red flags with Jones just keep popping up and popping up and his ADP right now is 65 I have a feeling it's going to slip a little but when you're drafting a rookie running back that isn't the def- that hasn't been named the starter you kind of know you're playing the long game and with Jones you know if you're drafting him you know you know what the risks are you know what the risks are there he's not a surefire thing to get all the work if he does he could produce you're, you're drafting him on the potential uh, that being said, Peyton Barber, who is the current starter, is going at 116 right now, and I think that's a very good value if you're looking for a guy that can produce early on late in the draft. Uh, Johnny, how would you feel if the a Rams coach said this about any other players? Well, first of all, if, 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 you're, if one of your coaching staff is saying that much negativity on a rookie nonetheless, A, you probably shouldn't have been drafted in the first place if that's really how you feel you know i realize he's a quarterback coach and all but still you know you it, you kind of want to get somebody in there that your coaching staff is on board and not just your head coach but collectively uh and b if he's really just throwing shade just to do it just why is he your coach at that point <laughs> you know well i, I mean I think he's a really... motivator but it, it doesn't bode well for jones you know it's not a it just doesn't sound good for your player. I mean, it doesn't sound professional. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, it, when you're on the field, your coach is going to be yelling at you and saying a lot of things that they can't say on TV. That's for sure. But at the same time, if you're going at it in like a public speaking kind of way, no, just no, that's that's a horrible way of doing that. And by the way, you know, there have been lots of great running backs in the league that don't catch the football 
So, you know, that, 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 that shouldn't be a factor in how you view your running back. But in terms of fantasy, that is something to be concerned about because obviously it's all about the numbers in the fantasy leagues. So I, I do think that this guy is going to produce, you know, relatively well. But I will I will agree that I don't know if he'd be someone I'd really be seeking out in fantasy football. Obviously, there is a value. If he gets drafted in the lower rounds, I think you're getting a, a very, very valuable pick there. Jones is a guy where if... If you really like your first two running backs, he's a guy where, why not? You take a chance. You, you might not need him. And if he does, you either throw him in your flex or he's going to have a good trade value. If you really are going to be banking on him to produce, you might want to look at some of the other guys, like maybe a Rashad Penny or a, or really just like safer guys like Chris Carson or guys that are going around that range that you know are going to play and that the coaching staff likes and doesn't, doesn't throw shade at. Uh, number four, Alshon Jeffrey was back at practice today, not practicing full-time, but he was seen in his helmet doing workouts. Now, he's going at an ADP of 59 right now. I've done two drafts, and he's fallen to 70 both times. Now, he's he's a risk because there's a chance he ends up on the pup. I don't think he will, but that would mean he'd be out for the first six weeks of the season. But I, I don't see that happening. I think he might miss a game or two. But guys with that much talent don't normally fall to you at 70, especially when they have a proven quarterback and a proven offense and are the clear number one receiver. And I think if he falls into your lap in the 70 range, I think he's worth a swing. I think that that's a guy who could, you get him that late and he produces at a high level, which we know he's capable of. That's, that's a swing I want to take. And that's, that's what your later on picks are for in fantasy. Number five, before the season starts, we're going to end this with a, should you draft him segment? Last week we did Deshaun Watson. I said, no, but not based on Watson, but based on the factors. This week, we're going to do Alvin Kamara at his current ADP of 6.7. So that would mean, would you take him at 6 or 7, I guess? And my answer is a definitive yes. A lot of the negativity surrounding Kamara taking him that high is that he's not going to be able to replicate what he did last year because it was it was a fluke. Not really a fluke in terms of him, but just like, it was unsustainable. You know, he can't produce like that at a level. But the fact that he was the third highest scoring pl- player while playing in a timeshare, while not getting the goal line work, while being outtouched by 80 carries by the starter, he missed basically the entire Atlanta game, and he didn't really have a role in their offense the week four. He finished third in points in PPR leagues. Despite all of that for the first four games, Ingram's not there. Even if somebody takes the goal line work and maybe some of Ingram's carries, you know Kamara is going to get more work and he's going to get a chance to prove himself and maybe show that he could take the feature work. If he does show that and they kind of reduce Ingram's role, the sky's the limit for this dude. We saw it firsthand when he played us. This guy is the real deal. And even if he's in the timeshare again, he's still going to get the ball a lot. He's going to make big plays. He's known for making big plays. I can't imagine a world where he's has a soft, huge sophomore slump given that system. And I think when you're taking a guy that high who has like top player upside and was third last year with all of these or all of these, you know, negative things going on in him that should have prevented him 
I think that he is a guy that I will happily take that high. I think 6.7 is exactly where he should be. Last year, in terms of fantasy points per game per running back, he was behind Elliott Bell, Gurley. And when you factor in Johnson, he should be the fifth running back off the board. And I would take Brown over him. I wouldn't judge anyone for taking Hopkins, maybe even Beckham over him, but I would have him pretty definitively as my fifth running back. Uh, we watched him play the Rams last year and torch us, and I, I think that's vindic- indicative of the player he is. Yeah, as far as Kamara is concerned, he he's going to get those points for you, regardless of Ingram, regardless of pretty much any factor. The only reason you might even second-guess yourself is if you're a believer in the sophomore slump. I personally do not believe in that curse. I think there's always the circumstances as to why that happens. But Kamara, I think, is a safe pick if you pick him, you know, around the sixth or seventh, you know, especially because this is this is a guy that I think is going to produce a lot more points than people realize. Yeah, I, I don't like the whole regression talk about him because he was just like, it's not like he had a small sample size. He was third in scoring among running backs. Like if if he had a Deshaun Watson type run where he had, you know, he had those five games and then that was it. I mean, sure, he had a he had a five games that he got a lot of points in, but he still had a ton of yardage. He's gonna have a ton of yardage. He's gonna be their passing down back. He's gonna get carries. He he might not get goal line work, but he didn't matter last year. He found a way to score. I, I, I'm not worried about progression with him. He might put up slightly worse numbers if he can't control the backfield early on and Ingram just goes back to his normal role. But still, like I, I can't see him not being a top 10 running back. I, I don't envision it this year. Well, that was fun. So let us know on Twitter, at TalkRams, at Steve how you feel about Sean Mannion, of course, and give us a follow there. And you can like us on Facebook at Rams Talk. Facebook.com slash Rams Talk. Hit us up if you're not in the Rams Talk room already on Facebook. We're, me and Johnny are both in there to discuss football with you guys. That's where you can find all of our content easily and fed right into your notifications. So if you're not in the Rams Talk room, hit one of us up and we'll get you in there on Facebook. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and listen to us on iBeat Radio. That is airing on Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Only two more preseason games, and then we got real football. Johnny, can you wait? I'll answer your question with the question. Are you ready for man ball part three? No, I'm not. (laughs) I wish we would just start Luis Perez and at least give me something different. I would love that too, actually. (laughs) Well, not starting, but the guy's got to – for how not impressive Mannion and Allen have – Played. It's it's just crazy he hasn't even snuck into a game. Uh given that it's 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 a spot that could be taken. I don't know if that's more telling of how they feel about Manning or how they feel about Perez, but oh well. It'll hopefully we'll see him this week. Uh for Johnny Gomez, I'm Steve Rivero. We'll talk to you next week. NBA is back. 
Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of the lake is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.